0: Thank you for joining us on Kingdom Builders, How to Live on Mission for God. Uh, Today, we have Michael J. Mantle, who is the president and CEO of Living Water International, a faith-based global humanitarian organization. He previously spent 17 years working for World Vision and nine years in business. He holds a PhD in organization development from Benedictine University, and lives in houston so thank you for joining us today mike it's good to see you um so my pleasure. so what uh inspired you to write the book thirsting for living water inspired me to continue
1: and still different than what inspired me to complete this project but what inspired me to start is i was sitting around with uh, some of my colleagues at living water international you know we We're a faith-based Christian water organization, and we've been working for about 30 years um, helping communities get access to water. About 21,000 projects, about 7 million people were accessing water, and uh, they heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, but we've evolved quite a bit over the last eight years, and we've really positioned ourselves, Church of the U.S., the link arms with sister churches but a lot of people still remembered us as well drillers you know hardware uh right. drilling wells so we're sitting around the table and you know some of my friends said you know you really need to write a book about this so people can catch up with who we are and uh and I just kind of laughed because I didn't have any bandwidth to write a book I've never written a book and um, and I was in no condition to write a book. You know, I was having a kind of a tough time in life. Um but what started me was just, you know, this request from my staff colleagues, you know, to kind of tell the story about Living Water International. And then, and as I got into it, world and talking to, you know, people from my past, God was using them, using their churches. Got excited about it, you know, and I wanted to start telling this. You know, you might remember a couple years ago, um, a lot of our press was saying what's wrong with the church. And, right. and that wasn't the church I've been experiencing. In the middle, I said, I got to tell what's, what's right with the church. <laughs> One time in my prayer uh, time in, in the morning, when I was kind of feeling a little exhausted from the project, I felt the Lord was saying, you need to tell the story of my faithfulness about how I have been faithful. Tell my story. Yeah. And then that became kind of an act of obedience. How am I going to get to the end of this telling, you know, okay, Lord, I'll tell your story of faithfulness. Right. And then finally, what's what occurred to me is people really only care about their own stories. (laughs) Uh, And, uh, so then we kind of shifted this book to be reflections, helping the reader discover God's stories of faithfulness in their lives. And, you know, kind of using my story and that of Living Water as kind of an engine to pull them through their own processes, discovering what God has done in their lives, and then maybe inviting them to into his big plan. And so when I finally got to the end of it, I said, "You know, we got something worth doing because if we can get people talking about their own stories of God's faithfulness, uh, it will uh, positive. and Lord willing, more people will engage in God's, you
0: know, creative uh, and redemption story." Well, you know, uh, you talk about what kind of started it all was your your coworkers and and friends kind of saying, hey, uh, have you ever thought about writing a book? And so uh, I think a lot of times we lose the value of what, what we usually call the shoulder tap, you know, people tapping us on the shoulder and noticing something in us yeah. that we really we, – we can't even notice ourselves. Like you said, you, you didn't even really think that you had the bandwidth or ability – To write write this book, but it all started because somebody said, "Hey, have you ever thought about doing this?" And I think that God uses other people a lot of times in that area and feel like He did with you by other people pointing out things in our life that uh, we can't even see. So that's that's very good. So um, one of the things that I really like about this book is it seems to speak to the uncertainty that people are feeling in today's time so what what does this book have to say to those who are feeling burnout exhaustion and doubt
1: you know that's a that's a a great uh perspective because when we started this book you know we weren't in the middle of covid and we didn't have all these lockdowns and isolation global unrest you know we were we were in the old hard. In the Bible, of course, you know, God's always saying to his people, Remember the Lord your God, you know, brought you out of the land of Egypt. And I think what helps us move through a very difficult times is number one, just accept the fact that God exists, He's alive, and He is intimately involved in our lives, that He wants to interact with us, and then He's yes. got a master plan. So, you know, you start as followers of Jesus Christ, as believers, with the fact that God exists, whether we feel him, or whether we're exhausted, or whether we got challenges, we start there. And then I think it's just um, asking God, hey, God, help me remember your interaction in my life. Right. And what this book and their 12 Reflections do is then just encourage us to think back through, you know, our families, our communities, you know, and then in concentric circles outwards, our cities are the ones near us. The world, you know, it helps us think through things like uh, scripture and 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 love and hope and faith. and And my hope is that as people remember the stories in their own lives, and they begin to just jot down, you know, answers to the three questions at the end of the chapter, that they will. Um, Come alive once again to god's faithfulness and their their hope and their optimism will increase and I am convinced that as we begin to interact with God in prayer and we begin to jot down his faithfulness in our, in our lives it will become a alive for us again
0: well you know that's a that's a good answer and and I feel like that is a, a great strategy because when we remember and reflect on what god has done in the past in our lives it gives us the courage to trust him with what he is going to do in the future and kind of give him the reins because sometimes we're afraid to give god the reins because we're scared it's all going to go south and we don't want that to happen but when we do what you're talking about we go back and we say well this was this impossible situation and this impossible situation and guess what? God intervened. It's cool. It's under control. And so now it's like, hey, I need to give God the and have the courage to trust Him in the future. So that's a that's a great point. Uh, so one of the things that this uh, book highlights is those moments when we all question God. So what brought you back to His presence in your life when you were dealing with that?
1: Well, you know that. I think at least for me, when I began to question God was you know first there was you know kind of emotional wear and tear, you know my dad died, and my wife was diagnosed with cancer, you know, and then it got compounded in my yeah. work environment right? right with you know there was economic challenges, global recessions, you know and it got worse and worse we were, we're, remember when hurricane Harvey hit us and, 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 you know, then the pandemic, you know, towards the end of this book and the physical, uh, wear and tear the emotional wear and tear. And then there's, you know, for me, it was kind of fear of failure that maybe, maybe what I thought was God talking to me in the past really wasn't. And I began to doubt, doubt that I was hearing God. And when you doubt you're hearing God, then you really begin to say, well, Maybe I began to doubt God. Yeah, and you know the thing was God uh, never left me; His presence never left me. But I got numb to the reality that He was there, and um, and I just began to ask Him to come back. Let me hear. Let me help me solve some of these problems. And but I had to I had to take some steps. I had to get up early. I had to, uh, you know, dedicate some open-ended time, and then I had to ask them, and I had to listen, and what what began to emerge, again, were those stories. Well, remember when I, remember when I, and and then that that kind of, so the presence didn't change, but when I was remembering God's faithfulness, my awareness of the God that sits right beside me began to be more audible, more visible, and then the excitement built, well, I guess I wasn't wrong, I guess God is here, and then, you know, the, the life becomes vibrant again, and, and, and you can exercise in that presence um, that you hadn't been feeling.
0: Right, and, and that's important, you know, like you said, that when we feel those times of doubt, that we, we do have to take time to listen to God, draw near to him you know like in James where it says uh, when we draw near to him God draws near to to us you know and so that's that's very uh comforting in, in in that respect and like you're talking about wondering if you know you was wondering if like well am I really hearing God you know is is God is that did God really uh say that to me and oftentimes when when God tells us to do stuff, you know, it's going to be very hard and we can lose faith throughout the process. You know, we want to get experience, the reward of what God's telling us, but it doesn't happen overnight. You know, I think about even Jesus himself, like God sending Jesus down here. And that's, that had to be the roughest assignment in the world. I mean, God coming down here, Jesus coming down here and then dying on the cross. And you have to think that like when Jesus was hanging on that cross, you know, we actually said it, you know, well, my God, why, why have you forsaken me? You know? And so like, if Jesus felt that, I mean, I'm sure that, that we're going to feel that, but we know that that Jesus rose again and we have that hope. And so that's a, that's a very uh, good point. And so one of the things that we talk, it talks about in the book is that your origin story is one that crosses physical and cultural boundaries. And so, What was the moment when you were inspired to turn just a trip into a lifelong endeavor? And out of that experience, what advice would you give someone on if it may be time to make a change in their life?
1: Well, that brings me back, you know, it's been 33 years, right? So I was a young man, 33 years ago. (laughs) And I wore, you know, sunglasses and I was looking for adventure. And I went on a trip to West Africa. It was just a pure lark. Just, yeah. America, right. And, you know, I wasn't searching for a, a change in my career or doing different. I was just going to have some fun. And yeah, God is always there and God invites us in our interests. you know, so I right. fly over to Senegal, West Africa, getting his old blue Jeep, uh, Mercedes uh, taxi cab and drive hours into the bush, into the desert. And there I am. And I'm having this great time. We're drilling a water well and assembling a windmill. And, you know, I'm meeting all these, you know, tribal people that spoke French in this language, Wolof. You know, they I was the first foreigner they'd ever seen and I was really? just trying to understand their culture and and I became friends with these people and they served me food and they didn't have much food and yeah. we sat in the shade and we talked about things you know through translators you know and what struck me was that I was experiencing something that was impossible there was it was impossible that some kid, business kid from Ann Arbor, Michigan could be in the middle of a desert drilling a water well with a Wolof tribe <laughs> and experiencing like being a time traveler. Like right. I, was, I was in back in time and, and then God used that little open moment in my heart where I, I was just by myself up on this hill, looking at all this stuff. And I said, God, you Are the master strategist? What I'm experiencing here is impossible. I could never figure out the world, but if you've got it figured out, I want to work for you. Right. And I just started praying, God open a door. I want, I want to, I want to work for you because you're an amazing. And I called him the master strategist. But I didn't decide that I would shift my career. I just asked God to open a door. Yeah. And I I'm a little embarrassed to admit, I prayed that prayer for three years. I prayed it every day Lord, open the door. I want to follow you because you're the master strategist. And things would come and they weren't the right things. And I just keep, keep doing my job. And a lot of things came. I, I dabbled in some things, you know, a little soup kitchen work, a little Christian school board work, you know, this and that. And finally, my wife took me aside and she said, Mike, you know, every day you pray that God will open a door. So you can work for him. And but you never walk through that door. <laughs> yeah. Right. She says, either you need to stop praying that prayer, you got to walk through the door. And so and then when an opportunity came, and that's when I shifted from business to world vision to do something I didn't really want to do, which was raising money. Yeah. To move to a city I didn't really want to move to, which was Chicago. Um, but because that was the door, I said, said, "Okay, Lord, I'll make a a conditional deal with you." I was always making deals with God, and I said, "I'll I'll spend three years working full time for you in this service opportunity, and then I'll go back to work." You know, kind of like a tithe. You know, right, right. Of my thirty years, and I know that God didn't need that deal, but I needed that deal because I needed to have an escape ramp in case it didn't work out. Right. Right. But it was just the openness to asking God uh, to open a door and then the willingness to walk through a door, but it didn't come easy. And once I started moving, you know, towards, you know, what the Lord would have for me, that's when adventure after adventure came and and that happened for 30 years. And even after those 30 years, Matthew, that's what freaked me out in 2017, is after 30 years of these powerful adventures with the master strategist, I still doubted whether God was real in the middle of that dark night. And that <laughs> that uh that's why it was so deep because you know I committed three decades and I was beginning to doubt whether I was actually hearing the Lord and, you know, even worse that the Lord was, you know, talking to me. Um, it was a slow decision. Mm -hmm.
0: Well, you know, that's a, that's a good point. You know, I mean, you wasn't looking to change your whole life when you made that, that little trip, you know, but I, I feel like there are, God does get our attention in, in small ways and and I I do feel like that our interest or like in your case that whim God God uses those things you know like I feel like that God puts desires in us that align with his will We just have to align our desires to his will and and be open like like you ended up being and and you talked about walking through uh, the door you know and and a lot of times we do, do what you did where we pray for an opportunity we pray for a life change uh and and the opportunity comes but uh then it's it's really scary because in order to walk through that door you know you have to leave the room that you're in and that's that can be a very scary thing you know but I, I think that you would admit after walking through that door that what was on the other side of that door was as you talked about, and even more of an adventure than where you were currently at, you know, and, and I think a lot of times we're afraid that if we follow God and, and go through that door, then it's, it's not going to be adventurous, it's not going to be great and glorious, but from my experience, it, it is, and from yours, it, it is also, um, so how, what advice would you give to churches, to find the correct balance between meeting physical and spiritual needs. Or if I was just a normal person, you know, in church, obviously people need the gospel and obviously people need water, you know, and food. Like those are two things you need. Uh, So what, what, how do you balance that?
1: You know, that is a, that is a great question. Um, And I, I used to talk about, balancing those and more recently uh, I've been talking about integrating those. Too. Yeah, that's better. You know, cuz um you know, in the life and work of our Lord Jesus Christ, he always healed the sick and preached the good news of the kingdom of God. He always did both. Correct. And when he was commissioning his disciples, right, he he said, go out there and heal the sick and preach the gospel. And he, you know, equipped them to do miracles, right? And it was, wow. it was physical and it was spiritual. And, you know, we've come to call that, you know, the demonstration of God's love and the proclamation of God's love. And back at Living Water, we even had a little shorthand for that. We call it water and the word. Mm. We say that's integral one doesn't lead to the other they're both and and um, the way jesus worked in his ministry was to do both and he loved through sharing the gospel he loved through healing the sick and you know when the reason i'm so excited about water is you know water has a multiplier effect you know if if people have access to water uh, and sanitation and hygiene you know together Right. They get healthy. If they're healthy, they, kids stay in school. If, if, if water wells are closer to the village, women and kids aren't spending all day hauling water in dangerous conditions and they can invest in families and, and, and economies. And when the church, the local church in that community, is, is the uh, key partner in providing this life changing water, they become visible and relevant. And through that work, they can also proclaim the gospel. So the church, the people of God become like the disciples, healing the sick and sharing the good news of the kingdom of God. And it's together that God becomes visible and and new life, physical life and spiritual life emerge from that. So I'm not sure about a balance anymore, because I thought about balance for like the last... 10 or 20 years, but yeah. I'm thinking they just both am, you know, Correct. Sometimes you amplify one, sometimes you amplify the other, but you can't really live without, uh, both and, 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 you know, kind of image what, what, what Jesus did in his ministry.
0: Well, you know, that, that's a good point. And I think it goes back to that when, when people see that we as Christians are good people, they want to hear the good news that we have to offer. You know, I mean, people can say a lot of things about Christians, but if they see that, hey, we, you know, supported, sponsored this, uh, this water well and, you know, the outback of Africa providing water to all these people that needed it to survive, like that really lifts up our image in the eyes of others, and, and when our image is lifted up, then that gives us a better platform for the message that we we have, and I think Jesus did that, like you talked about. I think that's a great point about uh, integration, you know, that it's not really a balance. You need the others, and, and, and like you said, if, if that's the model that Jesus did, I mean, I think he was pretty successful, you know? I mean, like, like it amazes me in scripture where it's like, he had so many lost people trying to find him. They'd be following him everywhere. And all I know is when I get done preaching, there ain't nobody following me home. You know, Like, Jesus, that is amazing. And you're right. It's because yes, he took care of the physical needs and he also shared the gospel. And so that's a, that's a great, great help. Well, uh, Man, thank you uh, for coming on the show. And what's one thing you know if if people read this book, what's the one thing that you hope that they come out of this with?
1: I hope that they, first of all, rediscover that God is alive and well, loves them, and is inviting them into this plan of redemption. That 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 becomes very real to them, and that that becomes real to them through reflection and telling their own stories mm-hmm. of God's faithfulness. Right. And then telling those stories to somebody, somebody in their family, somebody in their church, or, or even writing them down in a paragraph or a page and sending them to me and, and letting me post them. Right. Because I think if we can tell our stories, that is sharing the good news of the gospel. And, and people will be delighted to see that God is alive and a well, the church is active and a change agent, and and there's hope uh, as we move into these uncertain times.
0: Well, I, I mean, that, that's a good point, because, you know, I was thinking about the other day, why do we even do what we do? Like, why do we go to this barber? Or why do we buy this product? And 90% of the time, it's because somebody else tells me their story and they're like, oh, man, you got to go here. You know? <laughs> and so that, that's a good point. If we can just tell our story, there's something about somebody sharing their experience and it was a good experience and it lifts up our confidence in that. And so that's a great help when we can share the good news in that way. Uh, well, look, uh, we, we appreciate you uh, taking the time for this interview and coming on the show.
1: Well, thank you, brother. It was a delight for me. And if people want to tell their story, just send them to Thirsting for living Thirstingforlivingwater.
0: Okay. All right. Well, thank you for listening to Kingdom Builders and uh, have a great week. Goodbye.